0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadam. Well, the news came in that MVS is officially gone. He is a Kansas City Chief. So um, Kansas City Chiefs are trying to do the best that they can to replace Tyreek Hill while also having all the massive draft picks and additional money and all that stuff that came with not having Tyreek Hill on the roster. So we'll see, man. I mean, I'm happy for MVS. I, I don't think there's any other scenario for the Kansas City Chiefs other than a massive downgrade, but who knows? Again, I'm happy for MVS. Um, I've never really had any ill will toward him as a person. Um, and And the cool thing about Guys like MVS is, I mean, granted, it's not as though he's poor. I mean, he's prior to signing his contract with the Chiefs, he's made more money than I probably will make in my lifetime. Hopefully not, but, you know, if we're being honest, probably. But still, it's not, you know, depending on how you manage your money and whatnot, um, it's not necessarily a life changer. I mean, it, it's one of those things where if you if you invest a, a, a massive portion of this, you're pretty much set. Because he's, he's young. He's 27 years old. Granted, you maybe want to work after you're done with football. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do when you retire at 30. I have no idea what the plan is. It's not something I've spent a lot of time contemplating at 35 with 30 years left of work to do. But the point is, this is officially the, the game changer, right? Now we're officially set. Now no matter well I shouldn't say no matter what I mean you, you you can be stupid and blow all this money but I mean it's it's not hard at all to say I'm going to take this chunk throw it in this account and leave it there and I am 100% beyond set for life on top of that I won't have to touch that money because I've got this massive pile of money that I can live on for the rest of my life and live comfortably and that's what that's what these football players are looking for and it's good for him for getting it for working hard for getting to that point um I didn't think it would happen. I'll be completely honest with you. I never thought MVS would um, would be able to get ten million dollars a year. And I don't know the exact structure of the contract, but at the end of the day, it's you know that's that's what it is. I'm not sure how much of it is real and how much of it is funny money, but it's still way. More, I mean, a guy worth five is not going to get any kind of structure that looks like ten. And so, uh, look, he he did the work. He got the market, and what a what a cool cool day for him. Now, it probably, as I've been kind of implying this whole time, um, it probably goes without saying, but no way in the universe would I pay him $10 million a year. Now, generally speaking, I I usually say when it's a Green Bay Packer, your your best bet is to stay here. Or the better way to say it is you're worth more to the Green Bay Packers than a lot of other teams because a lot of your value is the fact that the Packers use you a certain way. That may be the opposite with MVS, because he just seemed like a round peg in a square hole the whole time, with um, the hole being Aaron Rodgers not being able to throw the ball to him, which is not MVS's fault. I mean, it just isn't. So I don't, I don't know why that was ever a thing. I don't know what the problem was. I've never really seen anything quite like it. I mean, I know chemistry is a big part of it. Maybe part of it is MVS's fault with not having you know consistent speed. I don't know if he's slowing up, speeding down. I, I, don't, I have no idea. But I've never really seen such a bad quarterback and wide receiver connection in all of my life. It just was never working. So who knows? Maybe he goes over there, he and Pat Mahomes are just in sync, and MVS just carves up everybody for 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns. I don't know. Maybe that's why his market was so hot, because you know people look at the tape and they're like, no, he's a pretty good guy. Rodgers just can't throw the ball to him. I don't know. But either way, the point is, I think he's... It's, it's a matter of what is he worth here, and given that Aaron Rodgers and MVS, their connection was never any good at all, he's not worth anything here, not worth very much anyways. So happy for MVS, but I'm also happy for the Packers because I mean this this is honestly the second time, and this this includes Devontae, and Devontae obviously stings more because that was a fantastic um, connection, and that's this it makes the team significantly worse not having them and all that stuff. But this is the second time now I've seen the Packers not be able to do what they wanted to do, and I'm glad Packers are looking to spend like eight million dollars on MVS and you know 28 on Devontae, and it's like thank you to the stars above. That the Packers were told no on both accounts. I'm not happy necessarily for our roster, but I mean, th- those are two decisions that I would not have been happy with. I'm not happy they're gone, but I mean, there's, there's just, that's, that's insane. And so with that, I had noticed that somebody had mentioned that on this entire 2018 draft class, which was uh, Brian Gutekunst's first, we're down to just Jair Alexander and everybody else is gone. Now, I'm not going to sit here and defend the draft class because we've known for quite a while now that this is not a very good draft class. Josh Jackson, Oren Burks, Jamon Moore, Cole Madison, um, J.K. Scott. I still think was a pretty good punter, but you know, I guess not consistent enough. But whatever. J.K. Scott, Equinemia St. Brown, James Looney, Hunter Bradley, Kendall Donerson. Um, I do want to make one quick note here, though, because again, somebody mentioned this on Twitter, and I just kind of want to rein that in a little bit without naming names. But you know, I know my audience sees this stuff, and so I gotta kind of correct it a little bit. When we're talking about MVS, the fact that he's not on this roster is not a knock on this draft class. The fact that MVS got $10 million on the open market means that that was a great pick. Whether or not you retain them has nothing to do with the quality of the player. And although I don't necessarily agree with this $10 million valuation, that was his valuation. So essentially, based on where all these guys are, and again, you know, some of these guys are still out there, we'll see if the Bears can do anything with Econimius LOL. And I'm, I'm holding out hope that JK can, you know, just bang some dingers somewhere and, and you know, make something out of this. But at the end of the day, Jair Alexander and MVS were two very good picks. And as I've said, you kind of get to a draft class. Now, granted, the other picks are, are bad. Usually it's like, you know, one or two really good guys and then maybe one or two contributors somewhere down the line that are playing somewhere. Um, this is guys that just are not in the league. But you know again I I've, I've I've said 2018 was not a good draft class but it was it was his it was his first draft but not was it, not only was it just his first draft he just got hired a couple months ago Generally like for example after the conclusion of this draft the scouts and everybody get a little bit of a break and then after that they're they're immediately starting planning for next season looking at next year's prospects in other words you get about a year he and his staff did not have a year, at least not a year working together or any of that. So that's always tough. It's and it's the same thing when you look at the Vikings and the Bears. I'm not saying they can't get any hits. I mean, if nothing else, you you could always get lucky. I mean, you generally know who the good players are. I mean, I could pick players and possibly get a bunch of good players, not because I'm a great GM, but because I, you know, I can look online and see what, you know, the internet says and maybe get a few good players. But it's a lot more difficult when you're a brand new GM, you're just assembling a team, you're just starting to put together like how this is all going to work. And these are first time GMs too. So they, they got to get a feel for how to even do this job. So they're just putting together their team. They're just starting to put a, together a board that, you know, it, it's, it's all brand new. It's not exactly a, uh, a super smooth operation in year one. But again, the major takeaway here is Jair Alexander and MVS got the bag. And so MVS officially goes in Brian Gudekunt's win column. There's a bunch of question marks, but Jair Alexander, MVS, Rashawn Gary, uh, probably Elton Jenkins. I think we can pretty firmly put that in the win column. Um, AJ Dillon, pretty sure that's a win. I mean, maybe not. It's only been two years, but they've been two solid years. And that's it so far. I think we firmly put in the win column with a bunch of question marks. Darnell Savage. Yes, Jordan Love, Josiah DeGuara, John Runyon, Eric Stokes, Josh Myers, Mario, Bain, the entire 21 draft class. But MVS, again, officially, officially gets put in the win column for Brian Gudicons. And again, it was it was an underrated pick because as I've said a thousand times now, as much as I'm not the biggest fan, when you look at the 2018 draft and how many wide receivers are really good, and if you rule out um, you know, rounds one and two and just look at three and beyond. There's, there's very few. So to be one of the very few and for it to be in the fifth round, it's it's solid, man. He deserves credit. They deserve credit for that. So wanted to get that clarification in there. I'd also mentioned on Twitter that I, I do get the feeling that something is probably going to happen in the relative near future. I don't know that. I, I It's just it just kind of dawned on me that the Packers have put a lot of their energy into retaining their guys. They put a lot of their energy at one point into Devontae. And that was not that you can't do two things at once, but you're not going to make any serious overtures toward outside free agents when you're trying to spend all your money on Devontae Adams. And then he left. At that point, they were putting basically all of their energy into MVS. And I don't think they can really get multiple free agents. If you look at what Ken Ingalls is saying, He's basically saying we have about $1 million in effective cap space. Now, if you go to track, we have more than that. But when we're talking effective cap space, we're talking about, you know, we need to spend money in other places. We need some of that money for other stuff. So it's not really a real number. It's sort of an estimate, you know, because some of it has to do with how much you want to carry into the regular season. And that is not a, a uh, it's not a real number. It's an estimate. Plus, there's there's things like trades. I mean, you could trade up, you could trade back, and you know the dollar amounts for how much you're going to use in the draft could change. Plus, if you use um, any draft capital to acquire talent in a trade, then your draft the cost of your draft pick. Like if you use a second round pick, you deduct that from your whatever. But still, we're talking about roughly a million bucks that the Packers are looking at, saying this is kind of how much we have. So if we go out and get somebody, obviously you need more than a million dollars. They would have to move some money around to be able to make that work. Not immediately, but at some point, which a lot of that, I mean, you know, if you get a deal done with Jair, which I don't expect to happen, there's your money. There's a, he's, he put together a list of a few other things that you can do to to free up that money. But the point is, I don't see two things happening. So, you know, although they can kind of put the feelers out, you're really working on doing one thing. And I think if they brought Devontae back, they wouldn't have put much effort into MVS. When Devontae left, they put all their effort into MVS. When MVS left, I think they moved their effort out into, and, it, and again, it's not necessarily singular at this point. Now you kind of start calling a bunch of wide receivers and their agents and start working on a bunch of things and you start whittling it down, right? So it may take a couple of days, but I think they're going to work feverishly because I, I do think we're in a dire spot. I think overall, the, the team is basically the exact same team we've had the last few years. And for that reason, I think we're going to be a very good team, but there is a massive qualifier of we need to have better wide receivers at this point. Because I think it's bad enough that it's going to be very difficult to compete. I don't mean like fourth in the division bad. That's absurd. But if we're talking about actually being able to compete for a Super Bowl, it's really hard to find teams that have this few weapons. You know, I've pointed out many teams that have that have been successful that um, lack weapons, lack wide receivers, etc. But at the very least, I mean, if you look at the Baltimore Ravens, yeah, but they got tight ends. You know what I mean? So they've got that. If you look at, you know, when I've talked about teams that just have one wide or even the 49ers prior to Debo. Yeah, but they had Kittle, didn't they? Right. They ran the ball well. They had Kittle. They still had, you know, some kind of wide receiver ish guys, I guess, you know, teams with one wide receiver, even usually, you know, the, the Kansas City Chiefs with Tyreek. Yeah, but they got a tight end. Right. So guys that are lacking usually at least have some kind of a tight end option. And if you want to go out and find teams that don't really have good wide receivers or good tight ends, you're talking about teams that are not playoff teams. Now, granted, I, I I would have to really think hard for a team that had a Hall of Fame quarterback and no wide receiver weapons at all. The only thing I can come back to is I re- distinctly remember one season with uh, Tom Brady not having any wide receivers. And I remember, la- what was his name? Kenbrell Tompkins or something like that. And Tom ended up tearing it up, although he probably had Gronk. I bet he did. So again, you know, and, and again, I, number, as far as the draft is concerned, there's two things. Number one, there is no guarantee that you're going to get anybody, right? And even if you want to say, well, we, we just have to, you know, it can't be best player available. We have to get wide receivers. Yeah, but you don't even know who, do you? Let's say, really honestly, the Packers only like two guys and neither of them are there. I've seen Drake London go in the top 10 in a couple different mocks. You can, you can sit here and say, we just have to do it, have to do it, have to do it. If he goes at eight, what, what are you going to do about it? Well, we can still get Olave. Okay, he went at 12. Let's just say. Now what? Well, then you have to get somebody else. Yeah, but not, again, the, the hypothetical is what if there's only two guys that you actually really like and the other guys you think are second-round picks? What if you think Traylon Burks is a mid-second-round pick? Are you seriously going to use pick 22 on a mid-second-round pick because you're that desperate? Well, you could use 28. What if he's not there at 28? Remember, this is your assessment. It doesn't mean everybody else thinks it this is the problem i mean it, it's it's not that simple the second issue is as I've said, rookies don't generally contribute in a major way yes, I know Justin Jefferson give me a second name there have been hundreds of wide receivers drafted over the last however many years ten years how many of them are justin Jefferson Jamar Chase right there you go there's another one but jamar chase was was jamar Chase <laughs> I don't know that there's any wide receivers in this class that are hyped as much as, as Jamar Chase. And to be honest, even Justin Jefferson, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just not. I know like Garrett Wilson is seen to go, is, is expected to go early. But I I just I don't even see him anywhere in the conversation as much as, as a guy like Ceedee Lamb was. Even though they're they're kind of in, ranked the same, and maybe it just has to do with being a weak draft class. You know, because pick number twelve is relative. It just means there's 11 guys better than you. Where would CeeDee Lamb go in this draft class? Would it be five? I don't know. I'm just saying. And again, CeeDee Lamb isn't even like super, super elite. He's not a Jamar Chase type of guy. He didn't kill it as a rookie at all. I'm just talking hype. So I I, I just think they need to do something in terms of a baseline. And And part of the concern with that is... I think what the Packers are going to look for, there's multiple problems. Number one, these guys are probably looking for way more money than they want to spend. Number two, they're looking for multi-year contracts. I don't think the Packers are super interested in this being a long-term fix. I think the long-term fix, they're looking at the draft. But they understand that first year probably isn't going to be great. So they want to set a baseline. So they probably want to offer some kind of a contract where it'll it'll be multi-year, but we can still get out of it after this year. Maybe it's a two, maybe it's a three, but not something that we're definitely stuck with you for two years. You know, we'll take a little bit of a, a dead cap hit next year if we decide not to stick with you. But I think the other big issue, aside from the, the contract structure, price, and years, is that what they really, really need, even more so than top-end talent, is reliability. I think they would rather have a mediocre wide receiver that they trust will be there for 17 games, as opposed to a top-end guy, quote-unquote, top-end guy, that you don't think will be there. Because again, we're, we're setting a floor. We're not trying to break through the ceiling. And you're not setting a floor at all if you bring in a guy that's going to be here for six games. Because then the bottom falls out for half of the year, and you're doomed. We need a floor for 17 games. That's what we did at defensive tackle. We didn't get an elite defensive tackle prospect. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't care what Packers podcasters are telling you otherwise. We didn't, but we set a floor. We have a guy that we believe can be there in the rotation for the whole season. Now, there's always fluke injuries. But you don't want to go out and get a guy that you expect to not make it through the season. And some of the top names at wide receiver, you expect to not make it, right? Jerron Reed generally plays the whole season, and that's the expectation. He's, he's a reliable guy that, that can give you 700, 800 snaps if that's what you want. If you don't need it, great. But if we need it, it's there. And so when you're talking about Julio Jones, who I like, I, I think he wants too much money. I think he wants too many years, and I don't think he meets the reliability threshold. Um, you talk about Will Fuller. I don't think there's any, I mean, I know they love Will Fuller. I love Will Fuller. I've been banging the table for Will Fuller, but he doesn't meet those thresholds. Jarvis Landry, you know, I I think largely has been reliable in his career, but last year he missed a chunk, you know? And, and so you're talking about 29 year old guys that missed five weeks last year. It it just, it, it's kind of scary. Plus there was a down year, probably due to the injury and everything else. So the, I mean, it's not a very easy thing to figure out. We need to be aggressive. We need to make a move. But also, we need to do something that makes sense. And so just as an example, I had somebody uh, reach out um, on Twitter. He says, I've got a free agent crush, Keelan Cole. Size and athletic ability, pretty comparable to Adams. Played on the Jaguars, Jets, and had decent production. I'd love your thoughts. So I looked at him. Keelan Cole has played five years. This past year, he played every single week, with the exception, I think, of week one, maybe. He's 28 going on 29. His grades since 2017 were 74, 60, 66, 64, 61. So MVS, but a little bit better in terms of PFF grades. Um, 800, 500, 361, 642, and 450 in terms of yards. Touchdowns, 3 one I, I just When I look at it compared to, do you think they're going to get Julio or a guy like Keelan Cole? I, I kind of think it might be a Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole is not going to ask for too much money. He's a 2017 undrafted free agent that spent four years with the Jacksonville Jaguars, one year with the Jets, and the Jets aren't bringing him back. He knows what it is right now. He's on a year-to-year thing until he can really get some serious production um, and get a contract, but he knows he's not getting a big multi-year contract. So the the contract negotiation for Keelan Cole is not going to be massive. He's essentially an additional um, Alan Lazard, maybe slightly less talented, you know, I would, I would put him in between, if I had to rank them, it would be Alan Lazard, then Keelan Cole, then MVS. But it still helps you set a floor. It's another wide receiver that's going to be there every week. He's not going to be expensive. And again, he helps you set a floor, at least in terms of depth. Now, he's probably not my favorite option, but just, just if you were to hold them side by side, Julio Jones or Keelan Cole, what are the Packers more likely to do? I think it's Keelan because again, it's not about the ceiling. It's about the floor. And I kind of think Keelan can set the floor. Maybe not. Maybe he's not quite good enough. But he meets the the health threshold and the contract, you know, years and dollars. I bet he doesn't ask for very much money. He's not going to look for multi-year. And, and if they think he can set the floor, which, again, is the only real question mark, I think Keelan Cole makes more sense. And I know Packers Twitter would just lose their mind about how stupid this is and all that stuff because they want a big-name guy. But I think we're just looking in the wrong direction. And that's not to say they won't do it. I mean, they're looking to throw big money at Devontae. They're looking to throw big money at MVS. I think if they can find the right prospect, it's not that they're afraid of, of big money. But I don't know that there's a lot of great names out there. And again, I don't think the Packers want to give away everything that they just got from Devontae to somebody else. That's my biggest issue with guys like Tyreek Hill or even DK Metcalf. You're going to give up the draft capital and then have to pay him as much or maybe more than what those guys got, because it's a year later, for DK Metcalf, which is a downgrade. DK is nowhere near as good as Devontae, and so we're going to have to try to find the money to dig deep and pay that guy? No, it's just not prudent, and I understand from a lot of fans' standpoint, I don't care about the money or the picks, I just want talent, and that would be an upgrade, and I just want an upgrade. But overall, it's it's a negative for the team. And I don't know how we're going to even pay the guy. So then then the question is, can we pay him next year? I don't want to give up a second round pick or, or whatever the compensation would be for a DK Metcalf and then have to wonder next year if we can even keep him. So you almost have to think in order for, for there to be a trade, the Packers would have to ensure that he's here on a multi-year deal, which means we would give him a contract today. Just pay him early, you know, Pat Mahomes style. And I don't want to do that. That's crazy. Um, you know, you continue down the list, T.Y. Hilton, he missed half the year. So that doesn't really work. On top of being 32 years old and, you know, he, he missed half the year last year and he's a smaller guy, 5'10", 183, I don't think that makes any sense. Cole Beasley's reliable, but he's a slot and we don't need a slot. And again, 5'8", 174, I just don't think the Packers want a 5'8", 174 slot guy. I think Emmanuel Sanders could potentially be an option. I've always really liked Emmanuel Sanders, um, but, you know, at this point he's 35 years old. <laughs> Um, and he had, he, he kind of just had his first down season with Buffalo in 2021, which is crazy. I mean, I just, I've just i always thought the guy never got enough respect. He's, he's been in the 70s or 80s every single year of his career until 2021 when he took a, a step back. But, um, you know, he's he's been reliable. I mean, he's never really had any injury issues, played consistently every single year since 2010. But again, 35 years old. And again, he's 5'11", 180. I mean, these are all smaller guys. AJ Green kind of meets all the marks and, and and I think is a potential prospect because, you know, 6'4", 210, he's still probably got some speed, doesn't really have injury issues. I mean, again, everybody's had some kind of injuries at some point, but he played all of last year. He's 33 years old, so he's younger than Emmanuel Sanders somehow, which seems impossible, but it's true. But he's had two very distinct down years. I mean, he, 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 well, 2019 is the year he missed. And, and after that, everything has just gone completely downhill. Now he's played the the entire 2020 and 2021 season. So the, the entire missed season did not impact his health going forward, but in 2018, 85 overall grade. And those sit from 2012 to 2018. That was just his grades. Eighty let's Just call it 85 every year. He missed 2019 and then 2020 and 2021, it was 66 and 67. So after that, missed year and he had a torn ligament in his left ankle which you know it's one of those things where you wonder could his injury have something to do with his lack of production and then you see it was an ankle injury and you think yeah maybe you know but again does he meet the thresholds do you expect him to play the entire year yeah i don't know why not he's had one injury that had him out for the year but you know he's been back the last two years can he be your ex receiver your your number one guy i mean maybe not a top end But yes, he can set a floor for you, at least so that you go out, draft a couple wide receivers, hope that you get a couple studs, or at least one stud. But if not, then it's, you know, it's A.J. Green, it's uh, Alan Lazard, it's your tight ends, it's your running backs, it's hoping Amari takes a step, and it's whatever production you can get from your rookies, and best of luck. And so I I, I think that's sort of the complication, although I do think something gets done um, because they, they really just need to set some kind of a floor and I, I think they need to be somewhat aggressive because I don't think there's a massive amount. Im- I mean, I can read a list of 50 guys for you, no problem. I mean, you go down the list. You got uh, Keelan Cole, Sammy Watkins, Alan Hearns, Albert Wilson, Deshaun Jackson, Danny Amendola, Odell Beckham, Marquise Goodwin, Adam Humphries, Mohamed Sanu, blah, 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 And we're about, you know, maybe halfway through the list here. A lot of guys. And I'm sure several of these meet the criteria to some degree. Nobody's perfect. I mean, you, you don't have guys that are great contributors, and they're young, and they're big, and they're healthy. I mean, th- those guys are, are not available. But of this list, there, there's, I don't know, maybe five that they feel somewhat good about as, as far as setting the floor, and not costing a ton, and not looking for long-term contracts. And you need to be able to go out and get those guys. And I will say that there is a possibility that they're looking at one big swing, and they're trying to work out a deal. It's, it's, it is possible that that's happening. Right? I mean, again, they were looking for long-term, big-money contracts for Devontae. They were looking for long-term, big-money contracts with MVS. It's not impossible that they set their their sights on somebody else that they really like and are like, we'll just give you the money we were planning on giving those guys. But I, I don't think that's the priority. And I, I again, I think there is some urgency here because similar to what they did with defensive tackle, we need to just immediately set a floor and then turn our attention to the draft. And I think they're going to have to do that, and, and I think they will and by relatively soon, I mean, I don't know, within a week or two, if I had to guess, I would say it's sooner than that, but I don't want to pigeonhole myself too much. But I do think that we are in a dire enough situation where the Packers are um, are really in a corner at wide receiver. Again, especially not having really a, a, a top end, tight end option. There, there's just no receiving options. I mean, we're, we're at the point now where our running backs are in competition for best receiver. And it's no disrespect to Lazard. I mean, he's, he's number one. But after that, it's probably your two running backs. By the way, we, we severely, um, I think, underestimate, I think, maybe the Packers' potential desire to add a uh, a tight end, whether that be free agency, probably not, or really trying to find a stud in the draft, if they even exist. But I was looking at, um, was looking at Trey McBride a little bit last uh, yesterday. And I don't know how much the Packers like him or whatever, but I, it just it just kind of dawned on me that it really wouldn't surprise me a ton if they end up investing a second-round pick in a tight end, which isn't usually what they do. And if they don't like Trey and they don't think he can be a stud, then then it just won't happen. But if they do, I, th- I think they may get aggressive. Because, again, you got to find something. And if it's not wide receiver, it's got to be tight end. And I don't think free agency is going to necessarily fix anything. So we need to find something in the draft. So if you can draft, you know, two wide receivers at, you know, one early wide receiver, one mid wide receiver and an early tight end, maybe a late tight end on top. I don't know. I mean, we don't have that many picks, but you're kind of getting to the point where, okay, we, there's a good chance we get something out of this, especially if you shift our focus to being a little bit more physical because we, you know, invested in the offensive line. We run the ball better. We upgraded tight end. We've, we've still downgraded wide receiver, but we got some good options. I think we'll be okay. So, again, I don't want to get into the whole maybe they drafted a tight end in the second round because they need it, because it, it really just depends on if they like the tight ends. And if they look at this tight end group and they're like, you eh, know, they're kind of a bunch of bums, then probably not. You know, we can speculate Trey McBride all we want, but if, if they think he's a fourth-round talent and he goes in the second round, they're not taking him, period. Um, in other news, Channon uh, Sullivan is visiting with the Minnesota Vikings. Not super surprising because uh, the Minnesota Vikings are pathetic that way. Also, they, they hired... A bunch of Packers uh, ex-coaches over there, so there's familiarity with a lot of our defensive players, and obviously you've got those guys saying, hey, Chandon's worth a look, and he is. I like Chandon. He's always set a, you know, you want to talk about setting a floor, Chandon has set a real solid floor, and I think I think it was Sam Holman, I'm not positive, it may have been Coach On, but I think it was Sam Holman that was like borderline obsessed with Chandon and basically saying he was a major reason for the success of our at least our DBs. But either way, I, I don't think you're going to find too many Packer fans that would say a bad word about Chandon. So um, if we're not going to pay... And by the way, the, the the whole narrative that everybody's just choosing to leave Green Bay is kind of silly, right? I mean, you're, you're starting to hear a bunch of narratives about, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Nobody wants to be here because of Rodgers or or the team is doing wrong by these players because they're all leaving. Leaving was kind of... Expect- I mean, I, do, do I need to read you the list of, of free agents? If we're just going to comment every single time a Packer signed somewhere else. I mean, we knew Zadarius was leaving, right? Because his contract was too expensive. That's not an example of Zadarius hates it here. Now, maybe. I mean, he's he's been kind of weird and, and standoffish, but he was always going to go away. You know, Billy Turner signed with the Broncos. We'll talk about that in a minute. But we cut, we moved on from Billy Turner, right? That was our decision. MVS, we tried to keep, and MVS probably would have stayed, but he wanted $10 million. He got $10 million. We weren't willing to pay him $10 million because he's not worth $10 million, in my opinion. Devontae wanted to be a Raider. It's different than what Tyreek said when he's like, listen, I want more money and I don't care where I go. I don't really need to be here. Just I want to be somewhere where I'm going to get more money. He said specifically, he didn't say I want to go to the Broncos. He wouldn't have accepted a trade anywhere else. He wanted to go to the Raiders. Now that's not great for the Packers because, you know, it would be nice if he wanted to be a lifelong Packer more than he wanted to be a Raider. But again, you're talking about Chandon as though he's like forcing his way. He's a free agent. And the point is we're getting to the point where there's narratives now. And so now, every time anything happens, it's, it's it's confirmation bias, and I just I don't I don't need to hear it for every single player that goes somewhere. When Chandon signs somewhere, it's not confirmation that everybody hates the Packers. If Kevin King signs somewhere else, oh, there's more confirmation. Dennis Kelly, Tyler Lancaster, Corey Bohorquez, Jack Hefflin, Henry Black, Chauncey Rivers, Kurt Bankert. Bankert shouldn't be on this list, but I mean, whatever. Some of these guys are probably still on the team. They signed some kind. Of, I don't know what the situation is, but the point is, there's still other guys out there that the Packers, I don't think, are putting a lot of effort in bringing back that are going to find new teams, and that's just the way it is. And we don't need to hear that that's because the Packers hate them, and they hate the Packers. This is just a thing that happens. So, yes, Chandon is meeting with the Vikings. No deal is, uh, is officially done, but the Vikings need cornerback help desperately. Um, Chandon needs a team. Seems to make sense to me. Billy Turner, as I said, has signed with the Denver Broncos. He got a $5 million contract. Which I think really, um, you know, listen, according to Packer fans, he was worth a lot more than $5 million. But according to the entire NFL, including the Packers, who didn't want to pay him to stay, he wasn't worth very much. So despite ESPN's graphics that he was one of the best blocking tackles in football, you know, there there was always sort of the dueling, you know, PFF said he wasn't very good based on their grades. and, And obviously his pressures were always through the roof. And ESPN somehow coming up with a metric saying he's one of the best. Blockers, using what, I don't know. It all comes down to money. The NFL likes MVS. The NFL does not like Billy Turner. When thirty two teams, um, you know, compete for a guy, especially a premium position like tackle, and come to the determination that the best we can muster is five million. I I don't know. Let's just say I feel slightly vindicated. He he has no market. And um, you know, Den and, and the fact that Denver is our um, you know, Nathaniel Hackett is there. Again, you've got ex-Packers, and and you know if it wasn't for that, where would he be, and how much money would he get? So at the very least, they're like, look, we we know how to utilize the guy. We we can get we can squeeze some talent out of it. Whereas everybody else is like, nah, I don't think so. And I also think it's a good thing because although I mean I'll be honest, for five million bucks, I wouldn't mind keeping him. I don't think Billy Turner is that hard to replace, and I know Coach Hawn is out there somewhere ready to strangle me. But I don't. I I think if you can get an, it's similar to MVS. No way. What, the biggest reason I would never pay MVS ten million dollars is you know how easy it is to find a guy with with speed. And ultimately, MVS never really provided very much more than just speed. There's a lot of just speed guys out there. So I have no doubt in my mind that we'll find a guy that runs in the four threes in the draft. It's not going to be hard to do. There, first of all, there's a pile of guys that can run really fast that are not competing in the combine or you know. So we we it's not documented anywhere. But just of the guys that are documented, there are um, eight guys that I can see. Outside of Chris Olave, who ran a 4.39, and Christian Watson, who ran a 4.36, the the guys that everybody knows, and Garrett Wilson, who's probably out of our range. There's also Bo Melton out of Rutgers, um, who ran a 4.34. Calvin Austin out of Memphis ran a 4.32. Danny Gray out of SMU ran a 4.33. Tyquan Thornton ran a four two eight, and Velus Jones ran a four three one. And again, there's other guys that that have really, really good speed that didn't, you know, com- run at the combine. And by the way, four four is still really fast. I'm I'm ju- I'm just looking at four three and four two guys, which is stupid fast. If you extend it out to even like four four three, like say sub four 4-4, four, sub four four four, you've got. Alec Pierce, Um, you've got Isaiah Weston, you've got Jahan Dotson, who the Packers were just at Penn State's Pro Day. So I know he's not a real big um, Packer fan favorite, but Gudekunst and his crew were at Penn State's Pro Day. Usually that's a big deal. Like, you know, there's scouts all over the place, but where Gudekunst goes in person, it's like, who the heck is at Penn State? uh you got Kevin Austin who ran a 443 you got Khalil Shakir who ran a 443 you've got Sky Moore who ran a 441 so again there's there's so much speed and so you know similarly although i don't know that we're going to be able to get a David Botiari in the draft which would be nice and i'm i'm a little skeptical of that when when you're talking about just replacing guys like Billy Turner and MVS i'm i'm relatively more confident it's it's the biggest reason i did not want to uh Paid MVS, you know, you pay a guy like Devonte because you're not going to find another Devonte. You don't need to pay an MVS because you can find another MVS. I mean, Christian Watson is MVS. Bottom line, if if you're desperate, if you're that desperate, draft him. Right, take him, take him at 28. He should still be there. He may not be as good as as you know. He may not be this elite number one. Maybe some of that doesn't translate. I don't know. But but there's almost no doubt in my mind he can be MVS and probably an, an upgrade over him. So, anyways, we should probably take a break. Seems like a good time to do so. As always, remember, we got the two fund me's up. If you guys wouldn't mind um, giving a little bit for that, check out the Facebook group uh, pinned to the top for Jamie and Carter. And then pinned to the top of my Twitter, you can find the GoFundMe for Drew for his seizure service dog. Be sure to check out ModernFrontier.com. He's got a ton of stuff over there. I'm getting real excited because I'm starting to whittle down my supply, which means I'm getting, there's almost nothing left but delicious steaks. And I got my new grill, so I'm pretty pumped about that with my slow and sear so gonna indirect those steaks get it to the perfect temperature and then just blast it hmm getting pumped up almost nothing left but New York strips fillets and the king of steak aka the ribeye I'm actually nervous to cook that but you know it is what it is you gotta you, you gotta do it sometime man you gotta just man up and do it it's nothing worse than just not executing you know it's like I know over the course of my my life I'm gonna make some some bad food sometimes. But it really, especially when you're talking about like a roast or something, like a pork roast, and it doesn't turn out right, it's like you know how many hours I put into this, <laughs> and it came out like this. Or you forget a de- or or like your stupid uh, pellet grill runs out of pellets, or you try to sous vide it, and it uh, the power went out last night, so it's been floating on top of the water for uh, who knows how many hours. It makes you hate your life a little bit, but it's how you learn, man. It's how you learn. Learn a little bit every time. I just don't want to learn on a ribeye. <laughs> but anyways, uh promo code MEATPACKER, one word, all caps, and you will get $25 off your order. That is amodernfrontier.com. Check it out. Go buy some meat. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? As I said, I think I'm going to solicit on uh, Facebook, but I have the potential to get a $3,500 grill if I win this competition. And all I have to do is give this guy um, an idea for a video. For he's he's a uh, very popular, prominent uh, grilling guy, smoking guy on YouTube, and he's looking for ideas. And he's giving away a $3,500 smoker if I have the best idea. And if you give me that idea and I use it and I give it to him and I get my smoker, I will invite you to my house. I haven't run that past my wife, but you know. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Maybe we'll come up with a plan B in case she just completely kiboshes that uh, that plan. Go to a steakhouse or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But anyways, uh, be, I, I I want to um, I'm gonna tell you. Yesterday, I was um, and it didn't save it, which is annoying. But I introduced my son to mock drafts yesterday, and it was a, it was a proud day. It was cool because you know he he didn't really fully understand what exactly we were doing at least at first. But the point is, we got there. And seeing him go through the process was pretty cool. So he put together, unknowingly, sort of a wide receiver tier for himself. I know maybe you don't care, but this is a proud dad thing and I'm just going to do it anyways. So he made the decision that we needed a wide receiver. I know you don't draft the position, but I I respected that. He said, wide receiver is most important, so let's look at getting a wide receiver. All right, sounds good. The four top wide receivers were Traylon Burks, Jahan Dotson, George Pickens, and Christian Watson. So I said, let's Rewatch these guys because I know we've already watched them. So let's rewatch them. And my assumption is, I explained to him that we're going to go in order of what everybody thinks is best. So the first guy is going to be "quote unquote" the best guy. So I just assumed, being seven years old, he's going to be like, well, then he's just going to end up liking that guy. Watch Traylon Burks. He loved Traylon Burks. Then we watched Jahan Dotson, and again, these are just highlights. And Jahan Dotson has some serious highlights. And and about thirty seconds in, he's like, "I don't like this guy." I said, "No." He said, "No, I don't really like him. He's um he's too small." And I thought, well, maybe he's, you know, he's probably just saying that because he knows that Traylon Burks is the best guy or whatever. Then we get to George Pickens, and he's watching in silence for about a minute, and he looks at me and he says, I think I like him the best. And (laughs) I was like, this is freaking awesome. It's like, I agree. Thank you. And again, he's going out on a limb because I already explained to him, everybody thinks Traylon Burks is better than George Pickens, and he watched him and he said, I I think I like him best. Then we get to Christian Watson, and we watched almost all three, We watched like three minutes of a four-minute highlight video, and he again, watching in complete silence, didn't say a word, and he just looks at me and he says, we're drafting this guy. That's the guy. And so, granted, it was pick 22, but I let him do it anyways, knowing that he'd probably be available because I'm not going to get in the way of his groove, man. He's just getting into this thing. So he took Christian Watson at pick 20, but it was just cool to see him kind of go through it and be like, no, no. This guy's better. So his ranking of those four, Christian Watson, then George Pickens, then Traylon Burks, then Jahan Dotson. And to be completely honest, it's not far off from what I would. T- I'd probably put George Pickens first, then probably Christian Watson, then Traylon Burks, then Jahan Dotson. I know my my Traylon Burks things, thing is is not on par with anybody else. I just, the athleticism and the uh, not really fitting with our team right now is, is I, I just can't get it out of my head. Although I will say this. Half Mexican lawyer, Blaine Patino, who is still on paternity leave right now, just living his best life, was watching Traylon Burks. And granted, there's some bias there because his stepdad was a punter for Arkansas back in the day. But he did bring up a pretty good point. And that is, it's hard to believe that Traylon Burks ran so slow and doesn't have any athleticism because he's outrunning everybody. And it's true. He catches the ball and he ran past the entire Alabama defense. And you start going, I wonder (laughs) how much we can rely on that. He also pulled up something that said he ran like 22 miles an hour or something he was clocked at. That's stupid speed. I mean, that's MVS speed. 22 miles an hour? If that's, I mean, I don't know who clocked that or where or why or whatever, but if that's what he did, then there is zero issue, and I have to rethink this whole process. By the way, speaking of, because I'm I'm kind of getting skeptical of a lot of these things, the exact opposite of Traylon Burks is um, a, a very popular tight end by the name of Jelani Woods. Jelani Woods is supposedly the most athletic freak you've ever seen in your life, but if you watch Jelani Woods, he can't outrun anybody. Now, granted, really fast for a tight end is four six one, and and maybe he just looks slow because he's six foot seven and everything a six foot seven guy does looks slow. But I was I was pretty suppl- surprised at the lack of athleticism for one of the most athletic tight ends we've seen, like you know, ever. So I I, I don't know, man. I I love the RAS and the athleticism stuff, but I think it kind of gives you somewhat of a baseline, but some of these guys you really just got to watch. And so I, I've, I've got question marks next to guys like Jelani Woods and guys like Traylon Burks. And I would love if there was something kind of like PFF, and I think SIS might have something like that. I know there are companies out there that have these this technology to get speed. They have all these different things, but I, as far as I know, there's no way for me to give them money and get that info. I would, more than just about anything else in the world right now, especially for like next year scouting type stuff, To be able to get speed metrics, if anybody knows of anything out there where it's like, oh yeah, you can go to this company and they have that information, although they probably want like, you know, several thousand dollars, which I am not paying. SIS wants a thousand dollars a year too. And I just, I can't do that. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still working on, um, putting together fully fledged opinions on things. I'm still, as of right now, until I get some kind of confirmation that, that I need to relook at Traylon Burks based on the athleticism, because it's not just speed. Right There's other issues as far as you know three-cone time and everything else. And also, again, moving him from slot to boundary. I just, I'm, I'm not super into it. With all that said, I do have one report that I'd like to give. Yesterday, I did what I said I was going to do. I told you that I was watching highlights with my son. Devin Lloyd looked great. Nicobe Dean looked great. Christian Harris is a guy that PFF has, I mean, he's had like 60 overall grades every single year. And it was one of those things where he was considered like an early first-round pick. And I looked at that, and I'm like, there's no way. Because again, as much as people want to dunk on PFF, it is predictive. And I can tell you every single year, the guys that are seen as first-round picks, all I got to do is look at PFF and go, nope, he ain't going to be a first-round pick. And I'm right almost every single time. In fact, I don't think I've ever said this guy's going to fall and I've been wrong. The only potential where I could be wrong, depending on where he goes, is Derek Stingley. He's still seen as a top 10 guy. And I think if he goes in the top 10, then I was officially wrong about, about that one. I don't know how far he has to fall in order for this to be a fall, but you know, at least outside of the top 15, for me to be correct on that one. We'll see how that goes. But Christian Harris is another guy. I said that, you know, I just looked at his grades. He's never graded out very well. And I said, this is, he's not going to be a first round pick. His highlights are incredible. And then I went back and watched a game and I watched the championship game, Georgia, Alabama. For the record, PFF gave him like his third lowest, fourth lowest grade of the year. It was like a 50 something. And I'll tell you what, if that's him on a bad day, I'm fine with it. Now, Here's the thing, you got to watch the whole game because if you just watch like the first half, I mean you would think this guy should have got a 90 overall grade. I mean he's in on every play. He's doing everything. He's all over. He's making tackles. He's doing everything perfect. And then as the game winds on, you start to see a couple of the issues. First of all, his size. I mean, he, he's a violent, powerful guy when he gets a clean hit on somebody. So that's that's the thing. If you if you look at the highlights, you see violence, which is surprising for a guy that's like 225, right? He's small. However, if he doesn't get a clean hit on him, he does struggle to tackle. He does struggle to sometimes get off of blocks. Now, if he if he gets if he's the one that's being the aggressor, he's great. If he's on the defensive, he's not so great. Right. So I've seen him on pass rushes where he'll knock an offensive lineman straight back, which is unbelievably impressive. However, I've also seen tight ends get up into his chest and blow him off the field. So he needs to be the aggressor. That's that's one sort of issue. The other is maybe not, I mean, potentially being a little too aggressive. I'm not a, a film guy, so I don't exactly know like what his assignment was on a play-to-play basis, but I'm pretty sure if you jump in front of the other linebacker and go through the hole directly in front of him, you're probably not in the right spot. I'm thinking that was his job. And so he had a play where he ran into the other guy's hole to try to make a play. Good for him, because the other linebackers just stand in there. But what do you think happened? The running back bounced to the outside where um, Christian Harris was, had a pretty big play. But the, the, the thing I love is we have Devondre Campbell, and what is Devondre Campbell? If nothing else, he's one of the best tacklers, in the NFL. I mean, even if he regresses back to what he's been this entire career, which is a really bad linebacker, he was still always one of the best tackling linebackers in football. So as a compliment, and by the way, Christian Harris was a cornerback and a wide receiver for a lot of his career. I mean, through high school and everything else, and he plays like it. You watch him drop and cover guys. I mean, there there was one play I saw, he was covering a guy backpedaling. He was running backwards and covering him. Like, he's running in reverse and is, is fast enough to keep up with this guy like across the middle. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, I've seen corners backpedal for a little while down the sideline. He, for some reason was facing backwards and running down the middle of the field. Like, okay, that's random, but cool. So, I mean, he can cover, he's got hands. Obviously, PFF is not a big fan of his coverage ability, but he's got the ability. So, um, certainly not flawless, but I, I still am officially on the Christian Harris bandwagon. He's not my favorite of all time, but this is probably one of the first times I've ever looked at PFF and just said, you can have your opinion. I don't care. I'm, I'm, I very much disagree. I think I really like Christian Harris. Flaws and all. Because I think the best thing about Christian Harris, and again, PFF grades are largely about consistency. And I do think he lacks consistency. But you want to talk about a playmaker? You know, every sixth play, he's about to hit the quarterback. I mean, there was was a turnover for Alabama on like the 20-yard line that was because of Christian Harris getting in the quarterback's face and swatting the ball, causing a fumble. Putting Alabama on like the twenty yard line. That was Christian Harris that did that. The amount of disruptive plays he had in that game was incredible. But again, PFF is more about consistency as opposed to you know I mean if you, if you have a, a huge splash play and then a bad play and then a great play and then a bad play and then a great play, you're going to end the day with more great plays than any player in human history. But you're also going to end up with like a sixty overall PFF grade because it aver- if you have two, then negative two, and then two, and then negative two, and then two, and then negative two, it averages out to zero. But over the course of you know sixty plays, that's thirty big plays. And I think that's kind of what you get with Christian Harris. And again, if we didn't have any linebackers, it might not be the best option because we need consistency at linebacker, but we have consistency in Devondra. We don't even really need Christian Harris to do much and we have a good linebacker. But if you have a good linebacker and then you've got a guy with uber-athleticism that has really good coverage ability, really good hands as a bonus, again, X-wide receiver, and is a really good blitzer and can be fast and, and violent, and has a serious attitude and played for a major program. So despite his flaws, you know he's kind of coming in as pro-ready as a guy can be. And we're talking about maybe using our second-round second, second round pick. Would I be jumping up and down? Yes, I would. Do I think they'll do it? Probably not. Would I be jumping up and down? Yes, I would. Especially when you're talking about Joe Barry, because it's like, that's, that's his whole thing, man. He's a linebacker guy, which means they got his input. So they got him to sign off on and be like, that'd be a great linebacker for our defense. And you've got his ability to coach him up. So that'll be my one report of the day. And, and it's it's sort of an official report. I'm kind of working on two different things right now. There, there's There's two different kinds of boards that I'm building. One is sort of a proprietary board that I built back in 2019. And it's just a formula based on stats and grades that sort of detaches me, my opinion, and my, you know, you, you could say the scouting but really that's kind of what the PFF grades are that's the scouting element and then you've also got statistical elements and I try to come up with a proprietary formula to create a board so I'm going to have that ready to go that's going to be i've been just started working on that yesterday I'm real excited having a good time with that I will give that to my probably five dollar and up patreon patrons because that's sort of the bonus content uh category maybe it'll be 10 and I don't know it doesn't matter I'll, I'll give it to some of my patreon patrons and also it'll be available when I do my live stream for the the draft. I'll be looking at that. But I'm also trying to figure out just personal opinion, which is always hard because I don't know. And I think the board that I'm going to build is not going to be based on grades or anything. It's mostly just going to be who would get me the most excited because I, I don't know enough to be like, well, this guy, you know, he gets a nine out of my super intelligent grading scale. I don't know, dude. So I think I'm just going to build a board of excitement. It'll be an excitement board. Who would get me the most excited? And so, for example, at the app, well, I guess I would have to start watching guys like Aiden Hutchinson. You put those guys at the top and just, you know, whatever. You, you work your way through it. But as far as guys that I've watched that are maybe very unlikely but possibly available and would get me, Trayvon Walker maybe is at the top of that list. Or actually, maybe even Jermaine Johnson. But it'll be stuff like that, right? So Jermaine Johnson is number one on the list. Then maybe you got Trayvon Walker. Then you've so far, at this particular point in time, probably got Devontae Wyatt Um, would be next on the list. Then maybe Jordan Davis. A lot of defensive linemen actually at the very top of my, please go get this guy list. So those are the things I'm working on. And I want to really start uh, hammering away at this stuff and actually watching actual film now that I'm getting a general idea with the highlights so that I can kind of divulge that information to you. But I'm excited about draft season. I'm excited about getting more of your input. Oh, Zion Johnson. Zion Johnson's up there too. He's probably... To be honest, he's probably ahead of Jordan Davis. I know, I know I'm know, i real low on Jordan Davis compared to everybody else, but um, he's, he's high up there. So that'll be fun, man. And it's something that you guys can work on too. Again, it doesn't need to be something super serious. You don't need to be a scout to enjoy the draft season. I think one of my favorite things to do is to just get that handful of guys that you're obsessed with, just to put your stamp on, especially if it's somebody that not everybody else is excited about, right? Everybody likes Chris Olave. And if that's your guy, that's cool, but it's just You know, you can go on Twitter and attach yourself to what everybody else says, but it's a lot more fun to go out and find the guy that you just like. So anyways, real quick, uh, before we wrap this up, something that I used to do for a while that I've kind of gotten away from just because there's so much news and everything else going on um, is mock drafts. There's always a bunch of mock drafts, so, and, and it's just kind of getting the pulse of what everybody seems to think the Packers are doing right now. Now, obviously, wide receiver is going to be a massive priority, but the Packers have two first-round picks, and I don't think I've really looked at mocks since we've had two first-round picks. So I've got a pile of mock drafts that were just done yesterday, and I just want to take a look at it, see what people are thinking, get my thoughts, et cetera, et cetera. But first off, yesterday, Maurice Jones-Drew did his first mock draft for NFL.com with the 22nd pick which again is going to be an extremely popular pick and i'm not opposed to it at all i just you know it gets to the point where some guys get to be so popular that i just roll my eyes every time even if it's a good pick but at 22 the green bay packers select chris olave ohio State wide receiver he goes on to say devante adams has relocated to vegas the packers must bring in some big time playmakers for aaron Rodgers. olave gives green bay speed to stretch the field allowing Rodgers to show off his deep ball accuracy which, you know, hopefully he can do that better than he did with MVS. Otherwise, this is a wasted pick. <laughs> then at pick 28, because this is just, you know, what the media does, he has us taking Traylon Burks. Again, would I be excited? Yes, I, w- I, would, I would still be excited. I'd be nervous because I'd be like, dude, we need an we need offensive line. We need some help in other places. But, you know, hey, wide receiver's settled. We're good to go. And this is now a strength of our team. He says the Packers had another talented wideout for their MVP quarterback. The big-bodied Burks is a guy who can win uh, the contested catch in the red zone. Plenty of future Lambeau leaps for this guy. So, you know, again, it, it's a roll-your-eyes thing because it's like, you guys are so obsessed. Even even when we had Devontae and everybody else, it's like, you got to get a wide receiver, blah, 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 all the time, over and over and over again. Now that we don't have Devontae, it's like, well, you should probably get a wide receiver followed by a wide receiver, and then in the second round, consider getting a wide receiver, and then maybe a fourth wide receiver, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. But again, I mean, if this happened, would I be excited? It, it's not going to happen, but if it did, would I be excited? Sure. Then you have Doug Farrar over at USA Today. Doug Farrar at USA Today has the Green Bay Packers at twenty-two selecting Traylon Burks, and then has at twenty-eight them selecting Jahan Dotson. Can I can I just go on record as saying that you know I know MJD is just a former player, so I mean he's he's not a he's not a scout, he's not a personnel guy, he's just a, he's a player, so it's fine, it's whatever. Um, Doug Farrar. These guys are so bad at this, man. I've, I've, I've been saying for a while now that you can find better quality content on podcasts and on YouTube. You just can, especially when you got team-specific stuff. But even so, you've got guys on YouTube who do draft stuff. You've got guys on Twitter that do draft stuff. You've got guys on podcasts that do draft stuff. This is just boring and pathetic. Doug Farrar, dude, that's a big name. It's been around a long time, and this is the best you can come up with? This is your entire life is is the NFL. And you go back to back wide receivers in the first round because we just refuse to acknowledge that there's seven rounds in the draft, and we need to overreact to wide receiver because it's what we do. And also, we have no ability to recognize that Jahan Dotson isn't a great fit. Again, the Packers are at their uh, the Penn State Pro Day, so maybe they really do like the guy. Maybe they just want to get some extra eyes on him to see and confirm that they actually like the guy. Because if I mean, if you think you like him, but also he he doesn't really meet any of your thresholds. You got to be absolutely sure. So, who knows? Maybe that is a, a big target for them. But based on all available information, and I, I don't think Doug Farr's thinking that deep about it, it doesn't feel like a good fit for the Packers at all. By the way, there are other guys at Penn State like Jaquan Brisker, who are phenomenal football players that would make a, a ton of sense for the Green Bay Packers, on top of guys like Arnold Ebikady, Abik- uh, edge rusher, second round prospect. Brandon Smith, linebacker, third-round prospect. Rashid Walker, offensive tackle, fourth-round prospect. Jesse Luceda, linebacker, fourth-round prospect. Tariq Castro-Fields, cornerback, fifth-round prospect. As well as some later-round guys, Alice Brooks, Jordan Stout, uh, Derek Tangelo, Mike Miranda. So usually when Brian Gutekunst shows up, it's because there's a bunch of prospects that have potential. All right? You regularly see them at Michigan, at Ohio State, at those big kind of things. Because you want to get as many... Prospects as possible, and I think there's plenty of prospects, including Jahan Dotson. But you don't have to say. I mean, there's three second round prospects outside of Jahan, da, or, or two in addition to Jahan Dotson. So we don't have to circle and be like, oh, they went to Penn State, so they like Jahan Dotson. It, it might be Brisker, Katie, Brandon Smith, et cetera, et cetera. Rasheed Walker, tackle. But again, bottom line, I mean, we've looked at two mocks, and it's back to back two wide receivers, and it's like you guys are ridiculous. I mean, I I I talk to Packer fans. And I'm like, you guys are being silly with taking, and very few Packer fans even say that. And even if I say something about it, like Packer fans need to cool it, most people listening to this are like, dude, stop saying that, because like two Packer fans actually think that. Most of us do not want back-to-back wide receivers. And you're right. Most Packer fans are rational enough to realize we don't have to go back-to-back. Even if you want two in the first two days, you don't need back-to-back. I mean, I bet if I did a poll, it would be 1% to 2% would say we need to go back-to-back wide receiver. But yet here we are with Doug Farrar and MJD, major media personalities, in their mock draft going back. It's just crazy to me. Next up, we've got Ian Cummings of Pro Football Network at pick 22. He has us taking Traylon Burks. So, so far out of five picks, we have five wide receivers. Traylon Burks all three times. He says, it feels right to finally address wide receiver in round one for the Green Bay Packers, especially after they traded away Devontae Adams. Traylon Burks fits what the Packers look for in receivers. At least he did that much information. Again, I think if you do a little further digging, it's questionable considering position, but if you think he can play outside, it's true, right? As far as size and all that stuff, it does fit. Uh, He's long, dense, and an alpha at the catch point. Burks also has great run after the catch ability and can separate on slants and other short routes. So I at least respect the fact that he, number one, actually put a blurb in there. Doug Farrar didn't even put a sentence to explain his picks. He's like, here's my picks and here's some stupid pictures. Come on, man. You You get paid professionally for this? It's crazy to me. At least when he's doing his picks, Ian Cummings, he's looking at it and saying, not just positionally what makes sense, not just value what makes sense, but fit. I mean, that's sort of baseline, dude. If you're not going to look at fit, then don't do mock drafts. And then at pick 28, again, respect. He says, Daxton Hill safety out of Michigan. After adding a receiver, the Packers can now turn to the defensive side of the ball. Green Bay has a need at slot corner, and they could use a third safety in the rotation. Daxton Hill can fill both roles. Hill is a supremely explosive and physical chess piece on the back end and a dynamic ability to be a dangerous threat for opposing offenses. I love that. It's not my favorite pick in the history of the universe. I'm sure there's other picks that I would like, but would I be excited about that? Of course I would. And again, makes perfect sense. All of that makes sense. He's he's not just a third guy because you look at it and say, well, you know, how much time is he going to get? He's a first round pick. You want him to play a bunch. He's not just a third guy. He's a guy that can play safety when you want to put him in, there in the rotation. He can play in the box if you want to put him there in the ropa- rotation or put him back and put Amos or somebody else in the box. And or you can put him in the slot. So there's every reason to believe he can be on the field a lot. It's just a matter of mixing and matching where these three guys are going to be. And of course, at some point, some of these guys, Daxton may be on the bench for some period of time. But he can be rotated in a lot because of the versatility. And again, you're also looking at an Amos replacement at some point. And just the fact that it's not just some baseline, you know, because most people are looking at some little sheet that says what the most important positions are. And I'm sure safety is not high on that list because people look in and to go, oh, they got two, they don't need any more. And that's all they're willing to do. So thank you, Ian Cummings, for, for expanding our minds a little bit. <laughs> the depth of these mock drafts is so pathetic. I mean, it's, it's really to the point where I should just, I should just solicit you guys. You, you guys submit mock drafts to me because it would be more insightful than a lot of these. I might actually do that. That might be kind of fun. Because I'm, I'm dead serious when I say it. I think the people listening to my voice right now probably could do better mock drafts than a lot of the people paid decent money to do this stuff and can at least give me a sentence of explanation. Plus, I just like hearing things. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 Random picks for really random reasons. I'm not saying stupid picks. I'm just saying, you know, this player because I'm obsessed with them. You know, I'm just a huge fan. Like, all right, dude, I respect that. At pick 22... For Mr. Nate Davis of USA Today, he has the Green Bay Packers selecting Chris Olave. So out of seven picks now, six of them have been wide receivers. No, the Pack haven't drafted a wide receiver in round one since former Brett Favre's uh, favorite Sterling Sharp in 1988. Yes, this should be the year they'll need to strongly consider it, most especially with the pick acquired in last week's show-stopping show stopping deal for all-pro Devontae Adams, who had 110 K- I don't need to see his stats, thank you. Alave's speed and smooth route running could eventually make him a clear-cut number one option, not to mention his ability to find the end zone, that occurring 32 times in his last 33 games for the Buckeyes. With the 28th pick, he has us taking defensive end Boye Mafé. Again, I dig that. So we got our wide receiver. You explain the reason for it. I'm fine with it. Obviously, the size can be an issue. But, you know, again, Jair broke the mold, and they went with him because he's that good. Maybe Olave's that guy, too. I don't know. Maybe Jahan's that guy. Who knows? But now, and again, the reason I like this is Mafé is considered a mid-second round guy. He doesn't care. And I think he's right because I do think this is a pretty good fit. I like Mafé a lot. My son, by the way, is obsessed with Boye Mafé. He's a huge Mafé fan. Goes on to say he had seven sacks in 2021, and his quick first step was uh, partially quantified by the 6'4", 264, 261 pounds, 4'5", 340 at the Combine. So he's got that speed like everybody else in this draft. A team that had to part with the outside linebackers of Darius Smith for cap reasons could certainly use another force coming off the edge. The other thing I like about this is, even though I'm kind of picking on these guys, I have not seen a single mock draft that I've said, if that happened, I would be furious. Every single one of these, with the exception of the, uh, even even the the Jahan Dotson one. Because again, what is that? The, the Packers then would be excited about that, that pick and feel like he can do it. Plus, there's the combination. If you get a big guy like Traylon Burks and then you get a smaller speed guy like Jahan Dotson, you're looking at that like, dude, that's a heck of a combo. I'd be excited. I'd be excited about all of these picks so far, which means I'm doing my, the job that I wanted to do, which is to get excited about so many guys that whoever they pick, whatever the combo is, I'm excited about it. Finally, Josh Edwards of CBS uh, did a mock draft yesterday with pick 22. You guessed it. Traylon Burks, wide receiver out of Arkansas. He goes on to say Green Bay is potentially replacing Devontae Adams and MVS. Uh, Randall Cabo, Mari Rogers, Lazard is not going to be good enough for that team. Olave would have been a great addition, but the Packers are able to retain some horsepower with the addition of Burks. Olave went one pick before for context. Although his combine testing was not as expected, film shows a player capable of winning with speed and power. And again, that is the question, and I might need some clarity on that. Because it, it is hard to reconcile. He he runs slow at his 40. He he runs past everybody on the field. <laughs> How does he outrun the entire Alabama defense? But he doesn't have speed. You, are you telling me Alabama cornerbacks have no speed? I'm not buying it. So somebody that's, uh, you know, grinding the tape, watching the film is going to have to give me some some clarity. on it Because we were surprised by that. I mean, I think the expectation is he's a big dude and he's going to test well. And he's not testing well. Is there any reason to believe he's got an injury or something that we should know about? Or, or I don't know what's going on. But it does need some answering. Because that seems to be almost a consensus. He didn't test well, but everything you've seen on film is an athletic big dude. And again, that's a game changer. Because if he is that, then there is reason to believe he doesn't just have to be a slot guy that, you know, needs help, you know, generating space. And I, you know, instantly am back on the the Traylon Burks train. Anyways, finally, at pick 28, the Green Bay Packers select Bernard Raymond Offensive tackle, Central Michigan. After selecting Traylon Burks with the earlier first-round pick, Green Bay adds Raymond to move into a starting role at right tackle. Billy Turner was brought in to replace Brian Balaga, but that experiment ended in March. Raymond will be making a transition from left tackle, but he has only been playing the position since 2020, so it is different than taking a player that had been playing the position for 10 years. Um, Again, I would be completely fine with that. As I've said, my only concern is the Central Michigan thing. But that's that's really one of those things where I'm I'm not going to dock the guy. I know don't helmet scout or whatever. Yeah, but it makes a difference when you're talking about that small of a school. But that's that's where scouting comes into play. That's where you're way beyond my abilities. It's it's the same with uh, Christian Watson, right? I watch him tear everybody apart. Well, how much of that is is the competition level? I don't know. I don't know. And especially with offensive line, I mean, you're you're looking at all the little details and and his kick step and and you know all these things that you you just know how to scout especially from just watching prospects over the years, you kind of get a gauge of what really good tackles do, how they move, how they do all these different things. I don't have that in my in my head. So I can go watch Bernard Raymond rip people to shreds all day long and fall in love with the guy. But for all I know, he goes into the NFL and he's not doing that to anybody. I don't know. But Brian Gutekunst and his staff do. And if they draft Bernard Raymond, they're saying, yep, that'll translate. Because it's not just the competition level. It's the, it's the skill that he has that makes him as good as he is. And I'm okay with that. If that's their assessment, then that's my assessment. Not because I'm a homer, but because I just acknowledge that they're good at making those assessments and I'm not, and I trust their assessment of those things. So anyways, again, I just wanted to run through that just to kind of keep the kick the rust off a little bit, make sure that we're still talking about these prospects and trying to expand into a little bit more. We've been talking about the same guys for a while, so uh, hopefully we can branch out into a top 100, start looking at a few of the third round prospects a little bit, get some opinions on those guys. So, you know, we're, we're we're talking about moving out into the, you know, we haven't really talked about Trey McBride, Quay Walker, Ebba uh, Cady. We're still kind of in the second round, but we haven't gotten this far. Jalen Petrie, a lot of guys are excited about. Uh, Drake Jackson, Chad Muma, I think is a guy worth talking about. He's he's very similar to the uh, the Badger linebacker, Leo Chanel, who, um, I mean, athletically has got everything you could ever want. He grades out phenomenally. I don't know why they're not top prospects, but I'm sure there's reason for that. Um, Perry and Winfrey, Nick Benito, Kingsley and Igbare, Sky Moore, Federian Mathis, Darian Kennard, John Mechie. I mean, there's a lot of guys worth talking about. Uh, Nicholas Petit Frere, tackle out of Ohio State, Cam Thomas, Jalen Weidermeyer is here. He apparently is probably going to go undrafted because he's the least athletic person ever. Um, Damon Clark, MyJ Sanders, David Bell, Leo Chennault. I mean, there, there's Isaiah Likely. There's a lot of third-round guys worth talking about, partially because these are potential second-round prospects, right? So we, 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 we need to kind of branch out into the top 100 and at least get these. I mean, you got T- Tyreek Woolen, freakish athlete. Uh, Wandale Robinson, really, really uh, is, you know, smaller slot guy, but really athletic dude. Jamar, Jamari Salyer, offensive lineman. Justin Ross, Channing Tyndall, Sean Ryan. J.J.'s favorite prospect, Jeremy Ruckert. It's not his favorite, but, you know, he likes the guy. But we've got a little bit of time, and uh, I think I've done my job. If, if, if you've heard a lot of these guys' names in the top 100 and we've been able to talk about them and go a little bit in depth, I'll feel good about the job I've done here. But I do have to end it there. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.